As part of New York's Fashion Week in September, the state announced a group of higher education institutions, businesses, and agricultural interests were coming together to manage the state's Fashion Innovation Center, announced a year ago as a way to advance the production of sustainable textiles from the Empire State. To discuss this effort to build a more sustainable fashion industry, which relies on New York-produced products, we're joined by the co-founders of Made X Hudson, which is one of the companies helping to manage this new consortium, which will be headquartered in the Capital Region. And our guests are Eric DeFeo, the head of the company's operations and business development. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having us. And we're also joined by the company's head of development and production, Sergio Guadadrama. Thanks for making the time, Sergio. Thank you so much for having us today. So for starters, can you tell us a little bit about what Madex Hudson does and how sustainability fits into your work? So we are a small batch factory headquartered in Catskill, New York, and we're about two and a half years old right now. The idea started three years ago when Sergio approached me to help start a factory in the region. We didn't have much resource at the time to do this, but we knew that there was an interest and demand to provide services to emerging designers in the Hudson Valley and beyond as we saw a lot of factories closing and it was the height of COVID. And so Um, We wanted to be a part of figuring out sustainable solutions for the industry. So for the last two and a half years, we've been slowly growing this small factory and we've served over 50 emerging designers at this point. Uh, We've lost count and we've continued to grow. And this year we've opened up two retail storefronts to help fund the education and training of a a new labor force that has been essentially outsourced over the last few decades. So we've just been on this mission to rebuild the garment industry uh, in the Hudson Valley, where it was once thriving many decades ago. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that education component, because I think when people think about sustainability in fashion, they're thinking primarily uh, about the environment. But it seems like your approach to sustainability spans more than just environmental impacts, right? The foundation is environmental, but it's also incorporating new forms of sustainability and, and educating the consumer on what things really cost when they're made locally compared to offshore inexpensive clothing that is polluting the planet and is usually made by modern slavery or indentured people. Um, And there's a true cost to everything that we get into our country that is made in other places and other people and other locations pay the price for that. So it's about starting conversations, teaching people how to use the things that they already have and about really shopping in a more mindful way where it's not based on consumption, but based on quality. Yeah. And since we're such a small organization, a lot of our sustainability revolves around the people and creating an environment that is enjoyable to work in. Our atelier has beautiful lighting. We just want it to be a enjoyable place for people to come work because it is 
very intense labor, laborious work that, you know, you're hovering over a machine, you're straining your eyes sometimes. So as much as we can alleviate that, um, sometimes we'll bring in like a massage therapist. Um, and yeah, that's what we can do as a small organization when it, there is a month. And it's exciting now to be a part of this conversation at the state level to be um, included in directing how we can make New York one of the most uh, sustainable fashion centers in the world. Well, yeah, let's turn to the recent announcement the governor made as part of New York's Fashion Week. What is the significance of this fashion sustainability consortium that you're going to be a part of? I mean, what are your expectations for what it can achieve? Well, as we know, it's there's a lot of people involved and it's a lot of money and we want to make sure that it's directed in the best possible way. There's already been a lot of initiatives in the works and we were invited to apply to this grant by Mary Jean Packer of the Hudson Valley Textile Project, who we worked with on a project. We did um, some bucket hats for her that she um, she's a sheep and wool farmer and she grew this wool and sheared it and cleaned it and then wove it and then she asked us to design a bucket hat that we then crafted a prototype for sewn it and and got it to market and so that little project of making we did like 50 bucket hats um was just a sample of what we could potentially do with this grant now um, and larger resources with and being connected to rpi and fit to see how we can push more projects that can be all grown, woven, and sewn in the Hudson Valley. Uh, It's not easy. It's very costly to do that in a small scale, but we're hoping with this grant that we can drive more uh, innovation and technology in this space, explore other materials as well that are more sustainable. Um, So it's really just the beginning. This was kind of an unexpected uh, surprise to get this grant, but RPI put together an amazing proposal with us Um, So we're about to we're about to roll up our sleeves and get to work and and do as much as we can to to go as far as we can and support a lot of existing projects that have already been in the works. A lot of them just need some extra funding to to happen. And with the state supporting projects like this, it creates a circular economy where we're keeping all of the money within the New York state community. So this is creating jobs this is paying farmers, this is paying labor. Um, it's keeping all the money here where traditionally we would send all of our resources out to other places um, and lose jobs, lose community. And this is a really great way to kind of bring something back and create it in a new way where sustainability and ethical manufacturing are the, the two talking points that we can create the foundation from, where unfortunately in the past, even when we manufactured in New York State in the past uh, decades before we outsourced it, it was mainly like pushing down on labor where this is where it's supported, number one. When it comes to this idea of spending these fashion dollars in New York, is there the capacity though up and down the supply chain to actually meet the demands of 
the final end users here? Do we have enough people growing the, the right products? Do we have uh, enough people skilled and, and trained uh, up and down this ladder to actually do the work? Or as part of this effort, will we need to build out that infrastructure? I think we have the foundation component of it because everybody that is part of this uh, grant have already been doing this for a pretty long time. We're we're new in terms of age, but the experience that we've had in the industry has been for a really long time. Eric and I's uh, combined experience, so it's it's already there. It's just a matter of being supported. Like when we first started, we kind of figured it out on our own. Um, from a financial perspective and figured out how to make this thing work in kind of like this century's version of manufacturing. And it's all out there. It just needs to be supported and there needs to be people aware that this is something that is here um, that we can all take advantage of. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, I mean, if you look, if you go to China, they have such a robust infrastructure. They've been so skilled at manufacturing for decades. Um, and $9 million is not even going to get us close to, to China and the reality of it. But it's a start and we do need to rebuild the industry here so that we can make at least some things here. And not to so be so isolationist about things, we want to work with global partners, but it's also how do we work to reduce global carbon emissions uh, together and and by making more prototypes here, small runs, um, educating people about the value of making things here. Um, the consumers are still learning and the younger generation is picking up um, on the trends and seeing what's happening at companies like Shein uh, abroad and how people are starting to realize that that's not sustainable and not something that they want to support. And rebuilding the communities that have been lost when we outsource manufacturing out into the world. Um, it It's, it's kind of reestablishing the sense of community. And that's where we're at our strongest when the people that live around us are all thriving together. So I noticed and you guys have touched on this, that the makeup of the consortium includes varied interests. And I was wondering whether that is particularly important because there are maybe communication gaps between different players in this equation, whether it's between agriculture and the fashion industry, or whether you feel maybe I'm wrong, maybe all these people are all reading from the same hymnal and all have the same shared vision. But Maybe I'm right. Does there seem to be some sort of gap in communication that needs to be overcome to make sure everyone is marching in the same direction with the same end goal in mind? Well, we only started we only started writing the proposal in July. We were only given <laughs> uh, two or four weeks to write it. We asked for an extension uh, as a group because everybody's so busy. Um, but when we did meet, uh, we had a lot of shared values uh, when talking, and it felt very organic. Um, we're very hopeful in our ability to, to communicate. Like now that we know that we have it, we're going to be meeting all the time and, and really rallying for everybody. It, it, it felt like a really good community and, and everybody wants what's best because everybody's been seeing like the struggle of, of this industry and we just want to support each other. Yeah. And I, I think the educational component is the key to the, to this question is that 
there in the past has been lapse and everybody's in their own little bubbles learning to be an expert in their specific field. But there's so many pieces of the puzzle where if you just paid attention, everybody can have improved lives. And even the schools are teaching more about sustainability and how um, where you plant a seed, how it gets to your final product and being aware of that cycle is really important for the future of this entire industry and not just based on what the end product is. And, and that's just something that has been brought up in conversation and education just maybe in the last 10 years as a major thing, but recently in the last three or four years with the pandemic supply chain issues, um, it kind of has brought all of these realities that we're faced with like exacerbated during these conditions. And we do need to be making things closer so that if God forbid anything happens in the future, we can survive um, by creating our own things in our own country. Well, finally, when you think about the products that could emerge uh, as the result of the direction of this consortium, is this primarily about generating items that are going to be rather expensive, might not be in reach for vast majority of consumers, or is the end goal to create products that are fashionable, sustainable, high quality, and affordable? Is, is that four different criteria possible to achieve in terms of widespread accessibility? It's definitely not easy to make things affordable when you are doing innovation at the beginning, but the objective is definitely to help these products become mass market and accessible. But for instance, like mushroom leather and these particular lab grown fabrics and and whatnot are still challenging to produce at scale. So it's going to take some time, but the point of this effort is to eventually make it widespread. Yeah. And, and we've kind of through educating um, with our retail components, we have all the price points in our retail stores and we provide thrifted or upcycled items that are very accessible to people. Um, the Madex Huts in line does cost a certain price point because we're paying our employees nice wages. So um, it, they cost certain things because the people who are making them need to be paid fair wages. So that's also about educating the consumer. If you buy 10 cheap things that go not to improve your quality of life or your community, it's better just to buy two or three really good quality things that you know somebody got paid in your community to make and about keeping that money local. Um, so this is all of these conversations that need to be had because we've been deprogrammed just to buy, 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 buy. And that's not sustainable or the reality of the future of our planet. Well, we've been speaking with MadeX Hudson co-founders Eric DeFeo and Sergio Guadarrama. Eric and Sergio, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.